Welcome to Devotions in the Deep End. I'm Cam Buchanan from Mount Gambier, Australia, and this is my quest to teach the whole New Testament as deeply and helpfully as I can. So grab your Bible and a beverage of choice, and let's take a few intentional minutes together in the deep end. Welcome back to Devotions in the Deep End. We have been looking closely at the Beatitudes of Jesus, which are invitations to a life of blessing in God's kingdom. And in this episode, we're going to look at the fifth one. Let me read to you from Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Mercy was a word that God used a lot in Israel's past, both to speak of his own nature as well as the behavior he expected from his people. The Ark of the Covenant had a feature which we translate today as a mercy seat. This was where blood from sacrifices was poured and atonement was represented. At the seat of mercy, sin was covered by blood. In the nation's formative years, mercy was a key element in the way Israel interacted with and understood God. The writers of the Psalms got pretty transparent as they wrote and realized where they were truly at before God. The result of that transparency led to a number of heartfelt cries for God's mercy. There's about 30 or so examples of this in the Psalms alone. And there was the expectation that recipients of God's mercy became extenders of mercy themselves. The Old Testament prophets certainly backed this idea up. One of the better known verses is Micah chapter 6, verse 8, which says this, He has shown all you people what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Sadly, one of the biggest rebukes Israel received was the abuse and even the absence of this trait. In Zechariah chapter 7, we read that the Lord was looking for mercy in his people. The Babylonian exile was now behind them, and the people were asking the priests if they should be continuing their rituals and their fasting. Instead, the Lord questions the motivation of all that stuff and calls for something more noble through the prophet. Zechariah chapter 7 verses 9 and 10 says this, This is what the Lord of heaven's armies says, Judge fairly and show mercy and kindness to one another. Do not oppress widows, orphans, foreigners, and the poor, and do not scheme against each other. Another key verse to note is Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. I mention this verse because it is one that Jesus repeated several times to the Pharisaic leaders. We've already seen this in previous episodes. It's safe to suggest that in the first century, something had been lost in God's people. They'd built up an admirable religious system with the hope of being ready for the kingdom. They had duty and ritual, and they had a system for being as observant of God's letter of the law as one could possibly be. But they missed the spirit of the law, and their religious expression came at the expense of the greatest expression of God, mercy. So it should come as no surprise that when Jesus inaugurates his kingdom and after he speaks of the inner workings of a person, that's what the first four Beatitudes do. He then starts to address the outward traits of a kingdom citizen and mercy is the first thing he mentions. 
Both the Greek and Hebrew words for mercy refer to outward expressions or manifestations of pity when shown by humans. It is active compassion for people in need. It is often linked biblically with grace and serves to complement it. Grace deals with sin and guilt, and mercy deals with the effects, the pain and the distress that sin produces. Put simply, grace gives pardon, and mercy gives relief. It's that element within us that lets people off the hook and forgives others, because we through grace should have a revelation of how that feels. Because of this, it works as a great outward flow of what being meek is all about. We have an inner sense of grace because we know how fallible we really are before God, and we are humbled by that. When that inner sense is intact, our capacity for mercy towards others becomes possible as well. It's also interesting that if the Beatitudes are to be read in a logical sequence, like most scholars suggest, then this would be the first piece of proof that we should be looking for to see how our appetite for righteousness is going as well. In all that thinking, a person who claims to have a solid faith but displays no mercy would be found to be a fraud. Despite all the religion and kingdom preparation that was going on among the priests and the Pharisees, it was quite evident that Israel still did not have this trait worked out. But Jesus would lead the way through the cross, where a new mercy seat would be established, so that all who followed him would know what true mercy was. Even at the cross, Jesus implored the Father to not hold the action of his murder to the account of those doing so. This was one final act of mercy as he breathed his last. Jesus made it very clear that in the kingdom of God, there is mercy. And as kingdom people, followers of Jesus are to demonstrate mercy. It's also important to note that no limits were set for the focus of our mercy. There is no suggestion that this was for church people only or just for other people who believe what we do. There's no suggestion that this was only for people who would listen to what you had to say. There was no category of person mentioned here at all. Instead, we see in Acts chapter 10 that God is not one who plays favorites, nor is he a respecter of any particular person. Therefore, neither should we be. The ministry of Jesus shows us that his mercy extended to deeply religious Pharisees and non-religious regular people to men and women, to adults and children, to Jews and Gentiles, his own context of insiders and outsiders of his faith. He extended mercy to terror threats and dangerous people. He extended it to prostitutes and tax collectors. He extended it to those of an opposing belief system, including the Romans, even as they were putting him to death. And then Jesus, our King, asks us to follow his lead. The outcome is clear to us both now and for eternity. Those that show mercy shall themselves be the recipients of it. This is not a give-to-get deal, but it carries the idea of grace I've mentioned in previous episodes. We live righteously because of the grace extended to us, and we extend mercy because of mercy extended to us. When we see the fruit of mercy coming out in our behavior, we can walk a bit taller in our confidence before God because we know that God's mercy is alive and well within us. And as a result, we have a great eternity to look forward to as well. 
If we don't see mercy appearing in our lives, then we need to take time for some prayerful self-examination. It may be that we have not admitted our own need for God's mercy in our lives. If we don't know that for sure, it's not a confident way to try to live out our faith. So let's briefly reflect on this. Friend, how is our mercy going? How well have we grasped the idea of God's mercy towards us? What revelation of this have we been blessed to have received? Is there an outward flow of mercy appearing in us? Does it come out as compassion and forgiveness towards others? Does it let people off the hook? Let's be real for a moment. Are you in need of it right now before God? Or are you withholding it from somebody else right now when you know you really shouldn't? Let's have a time of prayer around this as we bring this episode to an end. Jesus, I am saved because of your everlasting mercy, and I am so grateful for that right now. Please forgive me for the times I walk in a diminished or cheapened view of what this is. Because of your great mercy to me, you are calling me to be a merciful person in response. I choose this now. I choose to be merciful. I choose to extend mercy to others. I choose to let things go right now in situations where I have not been merciful. And I ask you to forgive me for the times I've not been this way with others. There are some people who may need to pray this way as well. Jesus, I realize that I do in fact need your mercy even now. I've been doing life my own way and coming to the realization that a perfect and holy Savior is offering mercy to me, and I actually need that. Please extend your hand of mercy towards me. I surrender my life to you and submit to your kingdom way. And no matter where you are coming from as you hear this episode now, pray this. Help me, Jesus, now to walk in and live out the way of mercy in all that I do. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about this podcast and other ministries I'm involved in, go to my new website, www.ministryinthedeepend.com.au. You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, and even YouTube. So please like, follow, subscribe, connect, and comment wherever you can. I look forward to catching up next time. See you then.